It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. On April the 16th, 2014, one of the greatest boating disasters of Korean history occurred. That morning, the ferry Sewell, with its over 460 passengers, most of them students, began its departure for the resort on the island of Jeju. Passengers report that they heard a noise and then the ship began to list. However, passengers were told to stay put. There was no need to evacuate. However, the ferry continued to tilt more and, and more severely. Finally, at the last moment, a call to evacuate came. However, it was too late for many of the boat as it fully capsized, taking the lives of over 200 passengers. As the investigation into this tragedy deepens, more information has come forth. An off-duty captain had warned that after the Sewell had received modifications in 2012 and 2013, that the ship was in danger of being too top-heavy and could easily capsize. There were warnings. There were signs that went unheeded. And the ignoring of these threats led to disaster. Thousands of years ago, there was a disaster about to come upon this earth. Warnings went out, but they were ignored. The flood in the days of Noah was a catastrophic event that had plenty of warning. But most simply did nothing. The days of Noah and the events that occurred are to be a reminder and a warning for God's people today. In part three of our series, Noah, The Real Story, we will get right into the heart of the matter. In parts one and two, we studied the history of sin and how we arrived at the situation of Noah's day. And if you happen to miss those programs, you can go to our website, itiswrittencanada.ca. There you'll find archived programs. In those studies, we saw that the devil is the author of all sin, all evil, and all corruption. He was once a good angel, but chose to lead in a path of rebellion. He led some of the other angels on that journey and eventually led humankind into rebellion against God. The devil is never concerned with our best interest. He only has one interest, and that is the destruction of God's people. He wants to see you, and he wants to see me destroyed. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, the Bible warns us about the devil. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil and the fallen angels are not interested in protecting you or doing things for you in your best interest. They want to destroy you or devour you. The Bible says that the devil roams about as a roaring lion. Why utilize such an illustration? Lions operate on a very clear path. They often target and aim for the weakest of animals. 
Yet when they're engaged in a chase, especially with an antelope, the reality is very clear. The antelope is a faster animal. However, in the chase, as the lion draws near, the lion will roar. That roar will scare the animal, throw off its cadence just a little bit, and then pounce. The lion has his prey. This is how the devil tries to get each of us. He roars and tries to pounce. But we don't need to worry because the Bible promises, the Bible promises in James, James chapter 4, how we can overcome the devil. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. All we need to do is stay close to God and the devil will flee. Don't ever be deceived, friends, into thinking that the devil or his angels want what's best for you. They seek to do one thing, and that is to destroy. Unfortunately, in Noah's day, many had not submitted to God, but they had submitted themselves to the devil. Genesis chapter 6 tells us the story. Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, tell us this story. Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The Bible says that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were good and they took them for wives. Now over the years, some have interpreted this to mean that some type of heavenly being was procreating with humankind. There is no doubt that the phrase sons of God sometimes means heavenly beings. However, in this context, there seems to be something much different going on. In the previous two chapters of Genesis, you have two different genealogies. In Genesis 4, we are given the genealogy of Cain. You'll remember Cain, who murdered his brother Abel. Then in Genesis 5, we are given the genealogy of Seth. Seth was the son that Adam and Eve had after Abel was murdered. He was the son of the promise. Now Cain's genealogy is traced to the man Cain, whereas Seth's line begins with God creating his father Adam. The descendants of Seth are therefore the sons of God. However, the descendants of Cain are the daughters of men. 
Over time, there seems to be some mixing and mingling of the two groups of descendants. Unfortunately, Seth's descendants didn't help to lift Cain's descendants to higher ground and to serve God, but rather Cain's descendants pulled Seth's descendants down. What this led to was absolutely heartbreaking. Genesis 5.5 says this, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that Every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And in verses 11 and 12, it goes on to say this. The earth was also corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth and indeed it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Wickedness, evil, corruption, and violence. The earth had become an awful place. In the original language, the word wickedness literally means broken, shattered, and depraved. Man's ways had been corrupted. He exchanged the beautiful, harmonious, peaceful life that God had for the unnatural, broken, and deviant behaviors that they were existing in. Yet man was evil as well. And again, in the original, the word means bad or misery. The word is often used to contrast against good. Quite simply, the word evil in the original language is the opposite of good. These people had become the opposite of everything that God desired and stood for. Friends, this was not just the occasional bad doing. The testimony of scripture is that the wickedness of man was great. It was vast. It was far reaching. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Friends, literally in the original language, it would read that the whole of his very being was wholly evil. Humankind had become evil to its very core. Humankind had become so evil that God was actually sorry and regretted that he had made man. But the Bible also says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Something about Noah was different. He was perfect in God's eyes. He was a man after God's own heart. The Bible describes Noah in these words of verses 9 and 10 of Genesis chapter 6. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Noah was just, perfect, and walked with God. What does this all mean? Remember that the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Grace is God's unmerited or undeserved favor toward humankind. Noah found grace because he was just. His surroundings were such that it made it difficult to decide to do right. But he was an upright man who chose to live above the fray. With all the pressure surrounding him to give in to the evil that existed, Noah resisted. 
Noah stood tall for what he knew and believed to be right. So much so that the Bible says that he was perfect in his generations. Noah had given his life to God and he lived for God. He was a moral man and he lived with moral consistency and integrity. He trusted in God fully and lived by faith. The Bible even says that he walked with God. Noah looked to the relationship that his great-grandfather had with God, and he learned from it. Enoch, Noah's great-grandfather, walked with God in an especially close relationship. In Genesis 5, verses 22 to 24, it describes this relationship that Enoch had with God. Genesis 5, 22 to 24. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Enoch was translated to heaven without ever dying. Literally, he traveled step by step with God, so much so that God took him. Let's be clear. Noah and Enoch did not have some self-righteous living. No, 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 no. They lived by faith. They had a trust in God. They knew that they were saved by the grace of God and they chose to obey God in realization of their loving relationship with him. Noah walked with God, but God's grace didn't stop there. Verse 3 of chapter 6 gives another extension of God's grace. My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. God could have destroyed man instantly. They had become so debased that they were evil to their very core. But instead, God granted a 120-year probationary period. During that 120 years of probation, man would be given ample opportunity to turn from his evil. First, Noah shared that the flood was coming and that there was a coming destruction. In the New Testament, in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, it describes how Noah warned the world. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. And did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. Noah was a preacher. Noah preached the impending destruction of the world. Noah warned men of what God had told him. God had told him in Genesis 6 that there was a destruction coming. Genesis 6, verses 13 and 14. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. Man had a choice. He could relent and he could repent. God was appealing through his grace for humankind to return. Some say, how is destruction grace? Friends, Noah was a righteous man and God needed to save him. The earth was filled with wickedness, evil, corruption, and violence. It was like cancer. 
So God in his grace and mercy had to remove that cancer of sin before it destroyed everything. Many cancer patients are faced with the same dilemma. The removal of a portion of the body or a limb, it is a life and death question. God chooses life, but he knew he had to remove the cancer. So he gave 120 years to reverse the cancerous course that mankind had taken. In addition to preaching, Noah built a boat that was over 150 meters long and 16 meters high. Now we'll talk more about that boat in a future show, but this huge boat would also have it attracted the attention of everyone. It was also a warning of the impending doom. Yet God's grace actually came to humankind long before the warnings of Noah. The grace of God came in a name. Enoch, the great-grandfather of Noah, named his son Methuselah. Now, before you're too confused, let me explain. Methuselah's name, according to a number of scholars, literally means, at his death, it will come. Now, if you do the math, Methuselah dies the very year of the flood. Undoubtedly, the world of Noah's day would have been disturbed by such a name. But Noah came with the application of the warning given by Methuselah's name. God's grace was evident during the flood. God warned the people hundreds of years in advance through the name Methuselah. God warned through the building of a huge boat and God warned through the preaching of Noah but the warnings went unheeded. Friends, we are living in a time of God's grace. God sent his son Jesus to this earth over 2,000 years ago, and he died for our sins. He died for your sin. He died for my sin. He has given us the opportunity to be saved from the impending destruction of this earth. This world won't last. It is not our final home. This earth will be destroyed, but we don't need to be destroyed with it. We can walk with God. Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 to 39 are an appeal to us living in these last days of earth's history. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. The warning signs are all around us. Will we listen? Like that Korean ferry boat, the world is teetering. We are listing about and we are going to topple. We don't need to go down with it. We don't need to be a casualty. Jesus has promised an abundant life, both for today and for the future. We just need to give our lives to him. We can avert the danger by simply heeding the call, the call of Jesus. Will you answer? 
He's knocking at the door of your heart today. Will you let him come in? Do you want to say to Jesus today, take my life, Lord, hold it in your hands and make something with it. Do you desire something more? Do you want to be wholly consecrated to Jesus? Listen to this song and may your prayer be total consecration to him. Entrust your life to Jesus today. Take my life, Lord, and let it be wholly consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my life, let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow with ceaseless praise, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands, let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Swift and beautiful for thee. I am yours, set apart for you. I am yours, hungry for your truth. Take my life, you are all Set apart for you, 
friend, do you want to have Jesus take your life? To take your life and have it be fully consecrated to him. Jesus makes an invitation in Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 and onward. He says, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are you struggling today? Are you facing problems and crisis in your life? Have you come to the point where you feel that your life is a mess? Jesus says, come, give your life to me and it won't be a mess anymore. Give your life to me and we'll erase the problems of the past and we'll place before you a future, a future of promise and hope with Jesus. If that's your desire today, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give our life to you. We want to be consecrated to you and we want to live a new life in Jesus that is pleasing in your eyes. Oh, Father, as the great controversy between Christ and Satan wages in our life, we choose Christ today. We commit ourselves to Christ today. Now, Lord, give us the strength to follow him every day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, as we sense our need of Jesus, we want to grow in our walk with Jesus. And so I want to offer you a resource today, a a special Signs of the Times edition magazine called The Great Controversy. In that magazine, you'll find wonderful biblical study that will help you grow in your walk with Jesus. I would also encourage you to go to the itiswrittencanada.ca website, and there you will find a wealth of resources to help you follow Jesus all the way. Here's the information you need to receive that special Signs of the Times magazine. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca. That's www.itiswrittencanada.ca and select the TV program tab. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Call anytime. Lines are open 24 hours daily. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, 
L1H7V4. That's It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H7V4. Friends, I hope and pray that you sense Jesus calling you into a deeper relationship with him. I thank you for watching this week. I invite you to watch again next week. Until then, remember, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. <laughs>